Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. How are you doing today? And can you tell us about our topic and our guest for this episode? Well, Grant, today we're going to be talking about the digitalization of packaging. And with us in the studio is a long-standing friend and colleague of mine, a fellow packaging journalist, and also the communications director of the Active and Intelligent Packaging Industry Association. His name is Andrew Manley. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Lindy. Uh, well, thanks very much for inviting me and uh, look forward to a chat. Good. Well, the first thing I'm going to ask you, the Active and Intelligent Packaging Industry Association, or IPEA, as we're going to call it from now on, tell us a little bit about it. Give us some background. When was it established? Why was it established? And what does it stand for and who does it serve? Okay. Um, The association has been around for just over 10 years. Um, We have about 1,800 members globally now. Um, It was set up by my colleague Efter Ferranti in 2011 um, to really encourage the development of active and intelligent packaging because many of the companies that are involved are new to the packaging arena and also to really um, push the information out to the relevant people such as logistics companies, brand owners and other interested parties including the packaging manufacturers um, to make sure that we get this stuff implemented because we see lots of benefits and advantages to it. Well, certainly uh, the technology has been advancing apace, and today we're going to focus more on the intelligent packaging side of things, not the active packaging. Intelligent packaging, smart packaging, some people call it, takes many forms, and I wondered if it would be helpful perhaps to the audience if you gave us um, the range of examples of what what we can find in that uh, category. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, the uh, the ones that everybody knows are, are uh, NFC, RFID, although I should put that the other way around because RFID came before NFC, which is uh, radio frequency identification tags and near field communication. Uh, we, we've now moved on to uh, a printed electronic antenna, um, clever vision systems that identify stuff for authentication, um, almost mini computers that pick up um, power from outside sources like via Bluetooth and things, uh, which are are all based on some kind of printed digital uh, uh, device that is attached to or embedded in a package. Of course, the other side of that is QR codes or coding in particular, but QR codes mostly. Um, Because of the digital uh, printing uh, uh, developments in the last 10, 15 years, we now can embed things in QR codes that were hardly ever dreamed of uh, in the 90s when they first came out. I mean, the original barcodes were just really uh, devices to take you off to a very boring website. Now you can embed all kinds of information uh, and they become very sophisticated and even to a point where you've got people like the US military using them to secure uh, some of their equipment and devices as they as they go out into the field. So it's become a very sophisticated and very ubiquitous uh, technology. But the interesting thing is, you know, we we need to actually 
multi-layer the thing a little bit now. People need more than one feature. So some of the companies, so for example, you've got somebody who produces the actual tag, but then you need the software program at the back end of it. And the back end of it is done by a completely different company, say for somebody like Everything, who I know are active in the uh, Australia through the result group. Um, and you need the two to work together. And they are one of the features of the development of active and intelligent packaging is that many companies are now working to provide the solution rather than just their bit of the tech. Okay, so and overall, the application of these technologies leads to things like enabling consumer engagement at a very sophisticated level, as you said. Um, it's useful for product authentication, tracking and tracing down the supply chain, supply chain efficiency, even improved sustainability. And I think the discussion will lead there a little later. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, an interesting aspect um, that we have to integrate into our whole offer. Um, yeah, I mean, printed electronics is now enabling uh, a lot of cheaper devices to be made because you can make things on a roll. Um, QR, as I said, QR code printing is now a very specialist subject um, and, and really is um, taking things into uh, all sorts of different realms. Um, you mentioned consumer engagement and consumer engagement is very much the thing that's driven the brand owners into taking on more active and intelligent packaging or shall we just we shorthand that and call it smart packaging from now on um, much more technology because they see it can directly appeal to different segments of of the uh, of their customer base and also provide them with a lot of very interesting metrics about what drives com uh, consumers to buy their products. Um, you can overlay that a little bit, Lindy, with things like blockchain, um, which is part of the intelligence packaging sphere. I know it's not just about the intelligent packaging sphere, but there are a lot more companies interested. And rather, um, I suppose, controversially, I say um, that Retailers love blockchain because it abrogates them of any responsibility to actually do anything. They're actually asking all their suppliers to give them provenance, authentication, traceability, and all they can turn around to the consumer and say is, well, look, you know, we've got this blockchain uh, uh, trail, so we know that we're telling you the truth, but they're not doing anything for it. So, and I, I always tend to think that retailers are quite lazy, um, and I'm allowed to say that because I'm old. Um, and and, <laughs> and um, I think the the less they have to do to get us involved in their world, the better it is for us, I suppose, in a in a rather circuitous sort of way. Yeah, well, I'll allow you to have your opinion about retailers. We do find that retailers um, are, are quite often on the driving end of change here in the Australian market. So, um, in fact, one of the retail groups has been instrumental in getting the 2D barcode off the ground here um, quite successfully. However, I did want to talk a bit about uh, who is driving the change. You mentioned that brand owners were keen on the consumer engagement aspect of it. Um, but is there a bit of give and take between technology suppliers driving uptake of smart packaging and brand owners from their end saying, hey, this, this looks quite good. How can you make it work for me? Well, I think you've also got to add into the equation the consumer because the consumer drives the retailer and the retailer drives the 
the producer, if you like, to a certain extent. Um, and the retailers are becoming much more savvy. Uh, they want authentication. They want provenance. Um, they're much more discriminatory about what they buy, where it's come from. Um, so there needs to be some kind of traceability. Um, of course, the obvious one and something that's very prevalent in, in not in the Australian market, but because you're a very high export country, a lot of the things that you produce, particularly for China, if it's still open to you, of course, um, it, are, are counterfeited. Um, I was trying to look for the first story, one of the first stories I ever ran about Australia, and it was so long ago I can't find it, but it was about an Australian winery that, that was, I think is owned by China, that was finding that 600,000 of its bottles a year were fake, and therefore they did something about it. So even the Chinese were aware of that. So counterfeiting is a big issue and getting bigger because the counterfeiters are clever. So there's ever more sophisticated ways of looking at that. Um, and consumer, consumer engagement is, is, is very important because it means that you're building a relationship with the consumer that you've not ever built before. And I, I'll use the, the hot topic of a, augmented reality, AR as we call it, which appeals directly to maybe the younger generation. Um, and then you can take it up the scale into a, a, a different area and look at compliance where you've got pharmaceutical companies that can add devices to medical packaging, which tell them what's happening at the point of consumption, whether the consumption needs to be replenished. Um, and sort of things like that, and that possibly is at the uh, at the the far end, the older end of the spectrum. Um, so th the problem that we have, I think, um, if if you want me to broaden out that answer a little bit, is that we need to be able to focus strategically in the areas that we are going to make some proper inroads now. We've been at this for 10 years. Um, you're going to ask me about how fast it is somewhere down the line, I'm sure, and I'm going to tell you it's slower than it should be. Um, and there are lots of factors in that. One of the factors is that we're not educating the consumers enough, and we don't know how to do that yet. Um, and we need help from people like the retailers. Um, I'll give you a classic example of that, and I'm sorry I'm rambling a bit, but um, we have – just recently in my local supermarket got the bottle of, of wine called 19 Crimes, which is mm -hmm. an Australian and a very good wine, I have to say. Um, <laughs> and it's got a lovely label on it and a lovely little barcode or a little code on the top of the neck of the of the open, which is a, a scannable code. But there's nothing to tell you. It's just got some tiny little writing around it. Now, if the retailer had a sign on the, the, the bin saying, scan this for a, a, an interesting experience, we, we might get more people involved in it. But until we've got a more holistic approach to it, we're, we're going to struggle to get some aspects of it um, that are not business to business or very directly to different segments of the consumer market to really take off. Yeah, I guess with um, on a label, there's such limited real estate to try to tell the consumer, hey, do this, do that, scan here and, and go somewhere nice. It does rely a little bit on that point of sale interaction as well. And if I recall, when they first launched the label here, in some of the bottle shops, they did actually have a little bit of gondola end display or some information, but uh, too little. 
And I'm not sure exactly. I know that there were many, many thousands and thousands of downloads of that smart um, app that was required at the time of launch because in those it wasn't a direct code you had to first download an app but um, I don't know if that has now progressed to this code that you described there but it is interesting Andrew that 10 years ago the association was founded and um, you started to have these conferences um, you started to gather the industry together people were talking about the technologies then there seemed to be after a while quite a drive, a lift. Brand owners were getting more interested. Has it has it sort of steadied out and slowed off? And as you say, not the the, the uptake isn't quick enough. Well, that that's one of the reasons I say we have to be more strategic and focus on some of the things that are really hot. If you want to use a shorthand term for it, um, things like AR, uh, things like provenance, blockchain. Are, are really very appealing to the brand owners and to a certain extent, you know, their customers as well. Um, a lot of the brands were using smart packaging technology for campaign-led promotions. So you'd get a, a, a like Malibu did something through the last summer. Coca-Cola have done stuff uh, on, on a summer campaign. Um but we've not yet seen, if you like, a complete rollout across the, the entire range of a product for uh, just the hell of, well, we're going we're gonna to make this whole range of packaging more connected. We're seeing it. We are actually now beginning to see in the UK and in Europe, for example, we have Kellogg's who just added a code to all their cereal packs which is for people with sight impairment. And these people can scan this code from up to three metres away and get audio uh, information on their phone about the product. It's allergen, uh, even special offers, if you like, it, it can have. And they did a test run, uh, and this was driven by the Royal National Institute for the Blind here in the UK and is now was under test through most of 2020 and the beginning of 21. And it's been so successful that they're going to roll it out across the entire range of uh, EU cereal packaging uh, for Kellogg's in 2022. And that's the sort of thing we need to see. We need to see a broader, um, bigger uptake, a bigger uptake of what uh, uh, these technologies can do in a general market rather than just for a campaign that's wonderful at its point but then finishes. Well, I mean, that's now adding accessibility as into the, the many, many functions of, of smart packaging, which is fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about some of the examples of well-executed projects. We've mentioned uh, 19 Crimes, um, but there are many others. And um, Australia, as you have mentioned to me previously, is one of those markets where we we seem to be quite keen to experiment in this area. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I started to to reference some stuff for this conversation yesterday, and very quickly filled up two pages of notes on stuff happening in Australia. And I ought to say at this point that we're very impressed with you. We love you down <laughs> there in Down Under because because you're really pioneering a lot of this stuff. You're really actually very wedded to it, particularly your wineries. Um, <laughs> particularly, you know, um, we're seeing a lot of activity. And, 
and 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 the only other country that I, funnily enough, when I was referencing this, was doing that was India, and India is doing a lot in this space as well. Um, but you, you know, a, a couple of recent things that we were very um, interested in was the Aust- Australia Table Grape Association. We're doing something with Result Group and everything to to do provenance because you export a lot of your table grapes, and there were a lot of people labelling it as your high quality grape table grapes and 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 supplying it for the again probably the chinese market or um, export markets and they're using uh, a result group and everything to to really develop a, an anti-counterfeit traceability provenance uh, a thing uh, again i'm afraid i'm going to say result group they're forming partnerships with a number of our members, uh, although I have to say Result Group are also members, um, the Talking Things who make um, low-cost RFID tagging. And the, that I'm excited about because uh, not just for Australian market, but for all markets, if we can produce a tag that works really well for three cents or less, then it's going to be used on more products because the brand owner's already realize and we know they realize because we talk to them um that that these things are good for their business because they can not only um develop uh, uh promotions um when they need to but it gives them an awful lot of information back the other way but of course they're all going oh, 15 cents for a tag we can't have that that's you know oh, it's far too much but if we can do it for three cents or two cents or one cent then then that's fine the other area that you guys are active in, because you do a lot of produce, is, is um, TTI, we call it, time temperature indicators. So basically, when you're moving perishable or fresh produce through a, through a supply chain, you're checking to make sure it doesn't work out of its temperature range or it's taking too long to get delivered to the place it needs to be for the point of consumption. And again, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, this is not just a result group t- show. I have <laughs> Michael, to say. But Fresh Tag, again, are working with, with, with TTI. Uh, um, t- just to come outside of that, you've got um, Macca, a beef company, who are using tracing by QR. And I, I should really, not right now because you asked me a question, but we need to talk a little bit more about QR because QR is very important. You've got Algive. I've not heard of this company working with Macca beef to do tracing by QR on its beef products. Um, you've got a New Zealand beef product in, in Beijing, uh, which are being COVID tested and there's proof of, of COVID testing for the Chinese market. So you're doing an stuff and uh, in a slightly non-intelligent way, you're also using nano enabled uh, packaging um, which again is more to do with um, shelf life extension and antimicrobial antifungal and that's an important area which I think is overdue for some better news if you like uh, and the, the thing is there's a lot of it out there but nobody knows it's there but we'll, we'll, we're, we're, we're talking about intelligence so let's stay on intelligent. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I talk about QR? Can yes I? absolutely I think that would be the natural thing to do now. Because we're, we're, we're moving into, you know, we're, we're talking about digitization. And if there's a, a really a, an example of something that is really benefiting from the digitization of packaging, it's the QR code. And from the customer point of view and the brand owner point of view and, and, and the retailer point of view, the, one of the good things about this is it contains a lot more information. It's 
on the packaging landscape already for many years or a code of sorts. So you're not trying to reinvent the packaging landscape just to include a QR, but the QR code can contain a lot more information. Um, and, and digitization is, is, is making, is making that happen. And that's a very important aspect. And one of the things that really helps with QR is that a lot of the access points are not via an app. You can download whatever information is straight onto your onto your phone. And a lot of people are resistant to some of the things that we do, particularly in the NFC RFID arena, because you have to download an app. And that's another step. And sometimes people are a bit reluctant to do that. But if you can just directly scan it and get up the information that you need, that is an excellent thing. And and the, the fact that we have seen um, people like H. Hewlett-Packard, Indigo, HP Indigo, I suppose we better call them, um, actually producing a printing press that is specifically for security printing and code printing um, is a mark of how important that area is to, to the industry. So speaking of um, talking about topics and conversations that are important to the industry, the um, Active and Intelligent Packaging Industry Association has its conference coming up and you're going to be looking at digitalization and connected packaging, et cetera, et cetera. So what is in store for attendees there, Andrew? I'm glad you mentioned that, Lindy. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, um, we have a, a pretty full agenda. I mean, I can go through and enumerate it, but I would encourage people to go onto our website and look at the um, the link to our, our agenda. It's updated in real time, but we have companies like Aptar, uh, Williot, everything. We have we have a number of very high high quality. Companies involve Systec, um, um, and I should mention Systec on the side slightly because Systec produce a technology which uses existing codes and identifies the flaws in printing in those existing codes to make them a unique identifier. So you're not even actually having to invest in new kit other than the vision system. So you're not actually being asked to print anything that you're not already printing. So these things are very uh, uh, important ways to enable people to get more access into the smart packaging arena that we, we are hoping to, we are still working on it with a brand owner, have a brand owner challenge, which basically means that we get companies who are suppliers of a particular kind of technology to pitch their ideas on how to solve a particular solution to a brand owner. And we've had some wonderful ones before. We've had Bayer, we've had Coca-Cola, uh, we've had a couple of big farmers, Takeda, the big pharmaceutical company. Uh, we've had Kraft Heinz, we've had m and uh, sorry, uh, P&G, companies like them. And they, they've always really rather exciting and 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 uh, dynamic uh, sessions within the um, within the framework of our, our our congress and the congress is on the 16th of November um, it will run I'm not quite sure what time it'll run in in Australia but it runs in the afternoon we're trying to catch as many segments as we can um, it might be a bit late at night for Australia I'm not 100% certain but we're trying to develop a, a, a but we will do a recording session by the way um, and it's really one of the things that we've got our reputation for running very strong business to business, highly informed, uh, very relevant topics. We're talking about supply chain in some respects. I had a very interesting conversation with a company that 
uh, the other day called called uh, oh, they called pop pack, and they make little bubbles that can be used as openers. And what they're saying is, well, you can include a digital feature like a tag into the the the, the pop. Yeah, so it will activate when you open the the the, the packaging via the pop. And why shouldn't we? Um, why shouldn't we be more wedded to actually in, wedding those two sorts of technology together? That is incredible. We saw those pop pack. I don't know if you remember them, but um, when you and I were at Tokyo Pack in 2012, uh, that was when I first saw the first pro- pop pack prototype. So, um, and at that time, it was also when you were running one of your first congresses at um, in Tokyo. Our, our very first, actually. <laughs> So you have come a long way, and I think we can conclude from what you're saying. The technology has also come come a long way, and um, it sounds to me like you have a really good lineup for people who are wanting to attend, and for Australians who may not want to do the early hours or the late hours, um, they can register and then hopefully be privy to the recordings afterwards, Andrew. Is that correct? Indeed, they can. Indeed, Yes. All right. Well, what we'll do is we will make sure that the um, link to the the Congress landing page is in our show notes for when we launch this podcast. Um, And as we come to an end here, I I would like to just ask you, Andrew, as we see a push for digital transformation in the manufacturing space, where in the factory environment where brand owners are working to produce their products, what do you think the future holds for the digitalization of the finished packaging? Well, as long as we can actually introduce digital technologies into the production area without too much disruption to some to in existing lines, then I see a very bright future for it. Um, partly because there are already um, quite a few products in the marketplace where you can add these things on, like you can add a digital label, a smart label onto a product just as you can add any other label. You don't need a new machine to add a label. Um, printing online if you're doing just-in-time stuff or, 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 or um, adding features and special offers, these things are already in existence. So it's just a question of adapting the production line t- to include the digital product. Also, for example, you've got people like Topan, um, who are probably active in in, in your market, um, who are already embedding RFID tags into um, uh, their, uh, certain types of packaging, carton packaging. And w- we haven't really touched on sustainability, and I appreciate we're running out of time probably. But, you know, one of the things that the association and the industry, uh, smart packaging sector as a whole, has had to do is address this big, big elephant in the room, which is sustainability. And it's not always easy when you're adding a component to an existing packaging uh, format, which people perceive to be a, a nasty thing, like because it contains metal or whatever. And of course, we're now using people like Stora Enso, who I'm sure again are also active down in your part of the world, have spent a lot of time producing um, antenna, which is paper based rather than plastic based. Um, so there's lots of work, and and I 
Digimark, Holy Grail. I haven't mentioned Holy Grail, but Holy Grail is a big project here in the uh, Europe, which is basically to identify different types of plastic so that you can sort them easier via a digital watermark. So there's lots of things going on in that space. I love the fact that we're we're talking a lot about sustainability. I also, to a certain extent, curse it because there is a lot of misinformation about out there. And I also think that it's skewed a lot of packaging innovation into one particular silo. And we aren't actually, and one of the things that we talked about earlier, slowing down um, the, 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 the development of smart packaging has been as a, a direct effect of everybody focusing on whether we can ditch plastics or make mono materials or make it biodegradable or, or whatever. Um, and they focused entirely on that and not on some of the other stuff. And I can, I can understand it, but I don't necessarily think it's very healthy for the sector in the long run. Well, I, I think I'd agree with you there, Andrew. Um, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for singing the praises of the innovation in the Australian market. You made me very proud of our packaging industry today. Um, Which you report very well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. So I'm sure everyone is looking forward to that Congress. I'm certainly looking forward to your report on it for me, Andrew. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to attend at least some of the sessions myself. Thanks very much. Yeah, I've got another job already, have I, to write a report for <laughs> you? You absolutely <laughs> have, and I'll give you the word count and deadline pretty soon. <laughs> but thanks Thanks again. a bunch. <laughs> My pleasure. Nice to speak to you. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Lindy. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us for this episode. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard today, you can follow this podcast in your favorite podcatcher to ensure you get every episode as soon as they're released. We'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.